Good morning, friends. It seems like I've been hearing the sermon I want to preach this morning all day long. Beginning with the uh, prior meeting, there were intimations of what I want to say. And in the song that was just sung beautifully by Natalie, again, I was hearing the message. I wonder if you turn in your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and beginning to read at verse 25 through verse 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for these words penned by the hand of Matthew and inspired by the Spirit of God as they tell us of the words of Jesus to a generation then and to this generation today. And Father, we do pray that you would uh, help us, bless us as we seek to think about this passage, and may it sink deeply into our very being. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, as you may remember, we began a two-part series entitled, The Great Texts of the Bible. And last Sunday, we focused on Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 12, particularly verse 12, and the text that is commonly known as the Golden Rule. Now, as I'm sure you're all aware of, there are many great texts in the Scripture, though the two that we will have considered are among my personal favorites. You know, I once felt that I had a pretty fair understanding of our text for today, But I'm most grateful for the help of Dr. Daryl Johnson, who has made this text for today come alive in a new way. Now, in addition to the text we just read, I have also chosen a text from a man whose name is Stephen Covey. He's a time management guru. And the text from Stephen Covey comes from page 34 of his book, First Things First. And this is what Covey writes. The main thing 
is to keep the main thing, the main thing. You got that? That's pretty profound. And I'd like to repeat it again. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And this text from Matthew's Gospel illustrates for us what the main thing is and that we need to keep that main thing, the main thing. I want you to notice with me, once again, verse 28. Come. Come. Someone mentioned that he saw a poster that said, God's favorite word is come. Jesus says, go and make disciples. He says, sing and preach. And heal. But I think his favorite word is come. 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 It's safe to come to Jesus. Come to me. And please underline that pronoun, me. Come to a person. Jesus does not say, come to a religion. Jesus does not even say, come to the church. Jesus does not say, come to a shrine. Jesus does not say, come to a ministry. Jesus does not say, come to a conference. Jesus says, come to me. He calls people to come to Him. And it's this pronoun that distinguishes Jesus from the rabbis of the first century and distinguishes him from the philosophers of the first century. The rabbis of the first century said, come to Torah, come to the law, come to the law of Moses, come to that. And the philosophers of the first century said, come to the ideal. Come to the idea, come to the theory. Jesus calls us exclusively to Himself. While serving as the chaplain of the U.S. Senate, Richard Helverson made an observation illustrating how easy it is to lose touch with this pronoun, me. He observed that Christianity began on Palestinian soil as a relationship with a person. It moved on to Greek soil and it became a philosophy. It moved on to Roman soil and it became an institution. It moved on to British soil and it became a culture. It moved on to the American soil and became an enterprise. But essentially, Christianity is a person. Come to me. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is a person. And his name is Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary. All who are weary from the brokenness of life. 
All who are weary from the suffering in this world. All who are weary from the injustice in this world. All who are weary from the pain and the sorrow. All who are weary with politics as usual. You know anyone like that? Come to me. All who are weary and who are burdened. I'd like to say a few words about that word burdened. In the English language, verbs function in only two voices. The active and the passive. But in the Greek language, the original language in which the Gospel of Matthew is written, verbs function in three voices. And let me give you an example. Well, the three voices are passive, active, and then the middle, what is called the middle voice. An example is, I wash, I am washed, and the middle voice, I washed myself. All who are overburdened is in the middle voice. And it means this, all who overburdened themselves. Come to me, all who overburdened themselves. And again, do you know anyone like that? Jesus is saying, for the most part, excessive weariness is our own doing. Weary wives may contribute to their weariness. Weary husbands may contribute to their weariness. Weary employees may contribute to their weariness. And weary jobs and so on. But you know, the text doesn't stop there. Come to me and I will give you rest. Lord, can it really be? Literally, this would read, come to me and I will rest you. I will rest you. And I think that's a better way to say it. As a matter of fact, it's truer to the text. It's certainly more inviting. When the text uh, that we read this morning says, I will rest, I I will give you rest, it makes us think that uh, rest is something that is in somebody's pocket, takes it out and just gives it to you, and then you can go away and, and be on your way. But when we read, I will rest you, this suggests the personal involvement of the rest giver. Come to me and I, I will rest you. The I means the personal involvement of Jesus himself. He's the one that's going to rest us. And that word rest, this word takes us to the beginning of Genesis chapter. Chapter 2 and verse 3. And I'll just uh, read that verse. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. What does it mean to say God rested? What does it mean when it says God rested? Does it mean that God ceased from all of His activity? That God is now shifted into neutral completely? That God is there on His big, great, big throne with His arms folded and uh, uninvolved? 
with these uh, people down here. No, it doesn't mean that at all. God rested means that God has now entered into the reason for which God created. And let me say a little more about that. In Genesis chapter 1, we hear this refrain over and over again. It was morning and evening, day 1. It was morning and evening, day 2. It was morning and evening, day 3, day 4, day 5, day 6. But we do not hear. It was morning and evening, day 7. Why? That's because day 7 doesn't end. Days one through six will end, but day seven does not end. Day seven is why God made the world. God rested means that he entered into the rest of achievement. He had built the house. You don't have to rebuild it. He built it. It's done. And I'd like for you to turn to Hebrews chapter one, verse three for an illustration Because I believe that we can compare the rest with what Jesus did following his death on the cross. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. This is such a great verse. I can almost uh, just have a parenthesis in this and just go on with this verse. Verse 3. And he, that is Jesus, is the radiance of his glory. That glory just shines out from the person of Jesus. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And here's the part that I want you to notice. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down. At the right hand of the majesty on high. You know why he sat down? Because the work was done. And he rested. He sat down. The work was finished. Completed. Nothing more to be added to it. He sat down. And here we have the rest that it's all done. Come to me, all who are weary, all who have overburdened themselves, and I will rest you. I will lead you into the wholeness and completeness, the it's all done place. And actually, that's what all of us were originally created for, was to enter into a place where everything has been done. It just blows my mind. And then he goes on and says, and you'll find rest for your souls. That's where we need it, right? In the soul. In the very essence of my being is where I need the rest. Now, sometimes our brains are so weary because our souls are so weary. And what we need is soul rest. Come to me, and I will put your souls at rest. And we say, can it be, Jesus, that you'll do that for me? 
How does Jesus rest us? How does he do that? Are you ready for this? Look at your Bibles now. Because I want you to see it for yourselves. How does Jesus rest us? Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. And you have to explain what? Taking up a yoke will rest us? That's pretty startling to think of taking on a yoke would be an antidote to weariness, to being overburdened. The yoke is a symbol of what? Work. Hard work. Taking up a yoke will unburden my overburdened soul. Taking up a yoke is what the weary and overburdened people of the first century least expected to hear from Jesus. Take up a hammock, maybe. Or a lazy boy recliner, maybe. Or taking an Alaskan cruise up the Inland Passage, maybe. But a yoke? Yokes are placed on animals' shoulders to enable them to carry more than they were carrying before. So what is Jesus getting at in this text? Jesus is telling us, I believe, that we are weary because we are wearing the wrong yoke. You got that? Refreshment for the soul comes by a transfer of yoke. You see, the question is never, will I wear a yoke? The question is always, whose yoke will I wear? Every human being on the planet wears a yoke. There are no yokeless human beings. Only yokels. The question is never, will I be a disciple? The question is always, whose disciple will I be? Every human being on the face of the globe is someone's disciple. The question is never then, will I wear a yoke? Will I ever wear a yoke? The question is always, whose yoke will I wear? And Jesus is telling us, We are weary and overburdened because we are wearing the wrong yoke. Switch yokes. And he says, take mine. Take mine. Maybe there's someone here this morning who came through those doors carrying a yoke. The wrong yoke. And you're wondering, you know, this this life that I'm thrust in, has not been very kind. And I, I can't seem to make sense of what is going on. You know why? You got the wrong yoke. You got the wrong yoke. And this morning, you know, wouldn't it be great to leave your yoke right in the seat where you're sitting? Take up the yoke that Jesus uh, says to take up. And leave those doors with that new yoke.
He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the billion dollar question, therefore, is what is Jesus' yoke, right? Hmm. What is his burden? He calls it my yoke, meaning that it is something that he himself wears. Whatever his yoke is, it is something that he himself wears. And that's the key to the text. And the men and women around him could see this yoke and they could see the difference that it made in his life. And my burden. And again, it is something that he himself wears. This burden that he calls you and me to bear is something that he himself bears. And the men and women around him could see the difference that it made in his life. Take up my yoke, something I myself wear. Now it turns out that he has worn this yoke for all eternity. He wore it before he came to earth. He wore it the whole time from Bethlehem to Calvary. He wears it even now. So we still ask, what is it? Is it the new law? His new law? The rabbis of the day spoke of the yoke of the Torah or the yoke of the commandments, the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. So it would be easy to conclude, as many have, that this yoke of Jesus is his new law, the new law that he enunciated with his Sermon on the Mount. But is that what Jesus really says? Is that what Jesus is really saying in this text? And I submit it is not. Then what is Jesus' yoke? This yoke that refreshes. What is this this yoke that he wears? And I suggest it's this. It's his relationship with the one that he calls Father. They wear the yoke. It's his relationship as son with the Father. He's yoked with his Father. And he always has been. And this is what just gets me. And he wants us to share in that yoke of relationship. That's the text. He wants you and me to share in the same yoke of relationship that he has with his father. Wow. I think I told you a number of times ago that I have a number of wow verses. And this is a wow verse. Maybe a double wow. Now, how do we know this? We know that by honoring the way Matthew remembers the words of Jesus. And what do I mean? Most of us begin where the Hallmark greeting cards begin and where I began with verse 28 tonight, this morning. Come to me. Come to me all who are weary. But that's not where Matthew begins. Matthew begins this context at verse 25. Jesus' call, come to me and take my yoke upon you, 
emerges out of several things that we note in verses 25 through 27. Verse 25, His yoke is to praise and worship the Father. That's His burden. And He turns to us and He says, Come, come to Me, come to Me and take this yoke that you see Me wearing right now. Join Me in worshiping and praising the Father. Join me in that, will you? Now notice verse 27. His yoke is all the things handed over to Him by His Father. His yoke is the relationship with the Father and He calls us to join Him in all of this. We only read verse 27 once, but please read it again. He, his yoke is the relationship with the Father and He calls us to join Him in all of that. The text begins with Jesus in communication with the Father. And that's the secret of Jesus' identity, whole identity and ministry, that He loves His Father. We cannot rightly understand Jesus without understanding His passion for His Father. He's praising the Father. He's delighting the Father. He's trusting the Father. And He's trusting the Father in a situation that would call for everything but trust. And what is the situation? You need to go through the previous verses. And, you know, you get a context within a context and a subcontext, and then you have a conclusion. Uh, that's the way sometimes it works as we read the Scriptures. The situation is that the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum have been rejecting the preaching of the Gospel. Those three cities had more miracles wrought in them than all of the other places put together. They had the Word of God taught them more than all the other places put together, but they rejected it. And Jesus is saying that these infants, these uh, uh, idiotes, uh, were able to understand what this relationship of Jesus to the Father and understand how they too could have a relationship. Some of these people who heard the gospel and who saw the miracles were accusing Jesus of being in cahoots with the evil one. Others were saying that he was out of his mind. Yet others were wanting to stone him. And yet there he is, praising his Father, delighting in his Father, trusting in his Father, and he turns to his disciples and says, Come to me. The implication being, Come into my praises. Come into my delighting. Come into my trusting the Father. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is my relationship with the Father. And His burden? His burden is pleasing the Father. Jesus lives to please the Father, nothing less. Nothing more, as we hear him say in John's Gospel, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. 
Jesus lives his whole career, if that's the right word to use, for an audience of one. No other matters. And he calls you and me into the same kind of life to live for an audience of one. Because that's our yoke. That's our yoke. Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? Jesus said at the age of 12. And that sets the shape of his whole career and life. Jesus is driven, if again I can use that kind of a word, to please the father. Period. That's his yoke and that's his burden. Come to me, all you who are weary. All who have overburdened yourselves. Take my yoke, bear my burden, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. The word easy is the Greek word krestus. Krestus means well-fitting. There is a legend that Jesus made the best ox yokes in all of Galilee and that all over the country men came to him to buy the best yokes that skill could make in those days. And as now, shops had a sign over the door and it has been suggested that the sign above the door of the carpenter's shop there in Nazareth may well have been My yoke fits well. It may be that Jesus here in Matthew 11 is using a picture from the carpenter's shop in Nazareth where he had worked through the silent years. My yoke is crestus. My yoke is well-fitting for me because my whole identity and existence are in the Father and it's well-fitting for you because you were created for and are being redeemed for the same identity and existence. Let me come at this in another way. Just after President Bush was elected, Time magazine ran an article regarding the relationship between President Bush and Vice President Cheney. And Time Magazine pointed out that never before has there been a relationship between president and vice president that is so close and so intimate. When both President Bush and Vice President Cheney are in town, they have breakfast every single day. Every day. And the writer of the article in Time ended by saying, Mr. Cheney is in the loop on everything. And that's what Jesus means by his yoke. He is in the loop with the Father. Now get this. And he calls you and me to be in the loop with him. Wow. That's wow. My yoke is easy. It fits well. It's the only yoke that fits the human species well. The world's yoke doesn't fit. It chafes, it rubs, it hurts. 
We were not made for that. We were not designed for that. The world's yoke is not crestus. It is not well-fitting. And again I say, there's an opportunity this morning to transfer the yoke to the yoke that fits well. The well-fitting yoke. Take my yoke upon you because you're so weary wearing the wrong yoke. You're so overburdened because you're wearing the wrong burden. Switch yokes, switch burdens. Wear my yoke, bear my burden and you'll find rest for your souls. Wouldn't you like to have rest? Right deep down inside of you. Rest. And we're not left to figure out all of what this means. How are we to wear the yoke? Is there some special way we wear it? Jesus says, learn from me. And I take that to mean that Jesus is saying, watch me, look at me, read the Gospels, and look at me how I wear it. Look at me how I live out this intimacy with the Father. Watch me as I live in the loop. He models what this looks like in our concrete 24-7 existence. I believe some of the stories in the Gospels are given to us and help us understand how Jesus lives and what the Father is like. Let me give you just one illustration. In John's Gospel, chapter 6, we have the story of how Jesus took five loaves and a few fish and multiplied them so that 5,000 besides men and women, were fed. But before that happens, it says, And Jesus looked on the multitudes, and he had compassion on them. That's a great big Greek word. And what it means is that his innards bothered him greatly. He had a feeling for those people out there because he loved them so much. So what do we learn about Jesus? We learn He's compassionate. Watch me. Learn from me. Do what I do. Come enter my praising the Father. Come enter my delighting in the Father. Come enter my trust in the Father. Come join me in in simply doing what I see the Father do and saying what I hear the Father say. I think in our hymnal we have some hymns by Bernard of Clairvaux, but we don't have this one. This one written in the 12th century goes like this. Just a couple, one verse. O blessed burden that makes all burdens light. O blessed yoke that bears the wearer up. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing.
Take my yoke. That's the main thing. It's my yoke. It's the yoke of Jesus. That's the main thing. Join me in the circle. Come into the loop. Enter into my intimacy with the Father so that you too can live and work out of a soul at rest. Well, it's time to conclude. And in closing, I want to emphasize one more time the first three words of verse 28. Come to me. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus with your hurts. Come to Jesus with your unresolved issues. Come to Jesus this morning. When should one come? Should one come when they have gray hair? You know? Should one come when they're in a hospital bed? Should one come when they are in the battlefield and in a foxhole? Some have come at that place. But you know, the best time to come is now. Right now. And I'd like to close in prayer. And while I pray, I would like to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like to come this morning. If you'd like to come to Jesus. If you'd like to get some of that rest that we've been talking about. So let's pray. And as everyone has their eyes closed and their heads bowed, I'd like to ask you, would you like to come this morning? Just raise your hand. Yes, thank you. Are there any others that would like to raise their hand and say, yes, Lord, I want to come this morning. I want to trust you. I want to have rest for my soul. Father, we thank you for the invitation of Jesus to come. We thank you that so many here have already come. We thank you, Father, for the compassion with which Jesus speaks these words. And we pray, Father, that uh, all of us will re-examine ourselves and with regard to the yoke. Sometimes even we as Christians uh, put on an additional yoke, the yoke that doesn't fit, and we wear two yokes. So, Father, we do pray that you would help us. Thank you for being present here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you're the one who invites us to wear the yoke of relationship with yourself. Dismiss us now with your blessing. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.